This episode is brought to you by Novilla Mattresses. I consider Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory to be my arch nemesis. Even though I say this, I know we have one thing in common. That is, we both have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. For Grandpa Joe, that's because he is a bad person. For me, it's because I sleep on a mattress made by Novilla, today's sponsor. Meet their Bliss Organic Memory Foam Mattress. Perfect for those who want a cool, dry, undisturbed sleep throughout the night made with organic bamboo charcoal fiber, excellent motion isolation, cooling gel-infused memory foam that fits all bed frames and is reasonably priced between $179 and $369. Perfect for if you want an inexpensive mattress for you, your children, or even for your guest room. Like I said, I personally sleep on a Novilla mattress, and it has done wonders for me. Throw out that cheap Walmart mattress you got in college and get yourself a mattress made by Novilla. Using promo code SHWEEZY or the link in our description, you can save 10% on any purchase through Novilla directly. Become just like Grandpa Joe on a Novilla mattress today. Again, that's 10% off using promo code SHWEEZY. A reminder, when you use our links, you directly support this show. What is going on, my fellow Schwokelords? What is up? And welcome to yet another episode of Cancel Sweezy. Cancel Sweezy, the only podcast wanting to break you down so badly. We'll latch up over everything you say. I want to break you bound down so badly in the worst way. What is up? Welcome to the show today, folks. Like I said, this is literally going to be our best episode that we've ever made. Episode 67 of Cancel Sweezy. Uh, 67, the number of the Lord. We are two episodes away uh, from making literally the Lord's trademark uh, best podcast. Uh, We're 67 right now. We're almost to 69 which, you know what, I'm going to have to say, nice. What? Uh, well, welcome to the show today, folks. Uh, we got some great topics to talk about, topics that I went on the internet and found, stuff that I've been thinking about this week, shows and TV shows and movies that I've been watching this week, and therefore will be uh, regurgitating back to you uh, through this podcast. So welcome to the show today, like I said. Our best episode episode, and it's the Lord's trademark favorite podcast. Uh, we got so much to do, so much to see. If you're if you wanting to look at something, so much to do, so much to see, you should go check out all my music anywhere you stream your music. Spotify, yep. Uh, despite the recent controversies with Joe Rogan, we are still on Spotify. We are still on Apple Music. We are still on Tidal. Uh, we should also be on uh, Deezer. I like that. And uh, many, 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 many more streaming services. I think, I believe I clicked any box. Uh, anywhere music can be, I believe the music of Shweezy will be on. Therefore, you have an obligation to go be streaming it nonstop when you're not listening slash watching this podcast as well. So what's stopping you? Um, and uh, This is the type of guy you get. So yeah, what, what's stopping you? Uh, what's preventing you from rising up, as some would say? What is preventing you from rising up and preventing you from rising up today um, is social media. If you want to go follow me on all social media, so you never you're not- notated, you're notified. I'm gonna have a hard time saying words today. I just realized that we're all gonna get through this together, and I promise you, we will get through this together. Um, 
We have, uh, you can go check me out on social media everywhere. Uh, it's at the Shweezy everywhere you get your, uh, uh, get your socials, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those places are a great way to go follow me. And that's where you can keep up with anything I'm doing when I episode new shows, new ideas, new podcasts, new ideas and everything else. You can find me going there to upload all of that shit. You can also uh, go follow my new gaming page over on Facebook, uh, fb.gg slash Live. Link should be in the description of this episode. <coughs> you can also go find it uh, manually or physically or however you do that. That's a great way to check me out when I stream. So if you ever have any questions for me uh, real time, if you want to watch me in real time, do something. Finish playing a lot of... Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus. I'm going to probably go back to playing some Fortnite streams this coming week. I think this Thursday, the day after this episode comes out, I'm going to be playing a ton of Fortnite. So you don't want to miss that. Don't touch that dial. And uh, that's rough, buddy. Uh, for anyone who is not. So you need to go follow that page. We're starting to infiltrate that algorithm uh, to get more people. So if you're not following the page, that's the free ass shit that you can do. Speaking of non free ass shit, you can do as well. Go check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to financially support our show. Um, despite any of our ad rates or anything else, it's a great way for you directly to just say, I want to support daddy. And, uh, that, that means a lot to me that when you financially support me, it helps me keep doing what I'm doing and, uh, uh, go full throttle on, uh, everything else that I'm doing. Uh, save me, uh, wake me up inside. Uh, wake me up, wake me up inside. I can't wake up. Wake me up inside. That's financial ways to support the show. There's also a ton of more free shit you can do to support this show today. Uh, if you're on the YouTube channel, checking out a highlight maybe, or checking out the full episode, what you can always go ahead and do is uh, smash that like button on whatever you're watching. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show. That way you get notified anytime we release new episodes uh, or uh, new content coming out to you wherever uh, you get you know everything on YouTube. Uh, and share highlights with your friends, I know, it's like, it's hard to suggest a podcast to someone, I'm, I am, everyone's like, what podcast do you listen to, and then, uh, you know, Cancel Shweezy is what goes to everyone's mind, but then, like, how do you get someone into a podcast, like, you know, starting off on the newest episode is a good idea, but isn't always, like, the best option for it, that's why we make highlights, that way you can just kind of ease your friends into it, here's some funny things that he's been talking about, here's some good content that he's been talking about, and then from there, you can kind of further uh, move, and uh, yeah, you can just look at the highlights and the best thing, if you're an audio-only listener, obviously, smash that subscribe button, you can also share it with your friends, uh, leaving a review on the audio platforms is always helpful, uh, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it does work a lot, it helps us infiltrate algorithms, and leaving us a star review, whether that's five stars, that's one star, uh, those are also great ways to help us infiltrate algorithms. Uh, like I always say here, we are trying to infiltrate algorithms. That is what we are trying to do. And with your help, uh, the algorithms can be infiltrated. Uh, the, whole, the world is just a bunch of algorithms these days. And with your help, we can infiltrate the algorithms that we need to. So... Thank you, uh, one and all, for listening to that. Let's get into the news previous week right now. What is previous week right now? Well, it's the news that I have been going through this entire week, not just today, this morning when I woke up and organized it all. I've been going through the entire week. Anything that happened last week, um, or as I like to call the previous week, that we will be going over. We're going to be going over it on this podcast, and when... 
will we be going over it on this podcast is in the next question. I know you're asking about um, what week of news are we covering? Uh, like I said, it was the previous week. What, uh, when are we going to be covering this previous week's news right now? That's why we call it previous week right now. It's not a play on last week tonight by John Oliver. It is, uh, it is our own thing that we did not copy from him or uh, make a parody of in any way. It's previous week right now. Uh, the the one the only place you can get your news uh, that is uh, that is on on brand that is real news that's not USA Today it's not Fox News it's previous week right now and we're gonna go over the previous week right now and as Phil DeFranco would say let's just jump into it so uh, yeah let's let's do it here. This one's coming from Mass Live. I think Mass is short for Massachusetts because uh, when I'm about to read this, that's when you're going to get the idea. Boston man stabbed for not flushing toilet at MBTA station, police say. Um, a Boston man was stabbed Sunday after a- morning after police said he refused another man's demand to flush a toilet at the Back Bay MBTA station. Police arrested Hector Avedito, a 42-year-old Malden resident who they said confronted a 33-year-old man who had not flushed a toilet, leading to a fight culminating in a stabbing. Officers said the victim, a Boston resident, had been in a stall in the lobby restroom at the train station when Avedo uh, entered the facility. Facilities, Avito told the man he needed to flush the toilet. The man responded the Avito should mind his business, police reported, and the pair argued through the stall walls, Through though never saw each other uh, before Avito left the restroom. Uh, outside, Avito began approaching men, excited exiting the restroom, questioning whether they were the person talking shit in the bathroom. According to police, the victim came forward, officials said, leading to a physical dispute that ended with Avito stabbing the man and running from the station. MBTA officers spotted Avito nearby on Huntington Avenue, found a knife in his possession, and placed him under arrest. The department said the victim, whose name was not released, was treated for a stab wound to the hand at a Boston hospital. Um... See, we know we know what what he did was wrong. We we we're not going to question that. We know what he did was wrong. The question is, um, the action he did was wrong. But in regards to this argument, you have to wonder who was right. And honestly, uh, we can all agree that the guy who did not flush the toilet uh, was wrong because. Um, you're in a public restroom. So here's the first question I do have about this situation going forward. Um, we, we do see here, um, he was still in the stall when, uh, I guess he was still taking a dump. He was in the stall till and someone asked him to flush the toilet. I'm going to make an educated guess here. So the, the idea when, like when you first read this article, man stabbed for not flushing the toilet, you think the man just prairie dogged it, dropped his, uh, you know, dropped some, dropped his turds in the toilet from his butt, wiped, and then just got up and left. What it sounds like, that's what you think about when you see this article going forward in the bathroom, uh, in this article. But what we did not understand is, though, that uh, this man was going for the long haul on his poops. He was going for a long-ass poop here in the bathroom, and the people next to him were requesting a courtesy flush. So... That here's the thing though. So if someone next to you is like, ugh, uh, 
man, courtesy flush, flush the toilet, man. So the idea of the courtesy flush, for those of you who don't know, is so say you drop you drop a chunk of it and it's sitting in the toilet, and then uh, your your ass is like, oh, I got a lot more. Now if you're home, if you're just home alone, you know whatever, and you're in your bathroom, you just sit there, you let the toilet sit in there, and yada yada yada. So, but when you're out in public, the idea is that you flush it because mainly that toilet's gonna sit in there and it's gonna stink up the entire room that the rest of the crew's occupying. And this is a public restroom. There's when you're in a public restroom. There's a lot of courtesies that can be inconvenienced towards you that you're not necessarily getting back from uh, anyone else in the bathroom. So uh, the idea is they're asking this man to do a courtesy flush because he's stinking up the entire bathroom. And I guess this man is refusing to uh, or whatever like that. So I guess he's refusing to even do a courtesy flush, not just leave his shit in the toilet, but even just doing courtesy flush. This is what this man is objecting to. So one guy is asking this guy to be respectful of other people in the bathroom. And then this guy, who is just dropping massive turds, letting it stink up the entire bathroom, is saying no. So you already knew this guy was a piece of shit when going into the bathroom, but now that we're going out of the bathroom, we think that. So they're still answering the question, did this guy flush the toilet after finishing up? Um, that's the question. Who had not flushed the toilet leading to a fight? So, yeah, that's what it's sounding like when I'm reading this article. I'm going to make a guess that he still didn't flush the toilet. Um, and, and at that point, what's what's the problem, especially in a public restroom? Like, what's what's the issue? Like, you're not paying for the water bill in that bathroom. Why are you, why are you being stingy there? <laughs> Come on, Mark. Don't be stingy. Why Why is this where you're taking a stand? This is the fight you've been training your life for right now. It's like People are going to ask me to flush the toilet, leave a courtesy flush, and just not leave my fucking shit in the toilet. And uh, this is where my fight will begin. Um, so, you know, we're not saying what Avito, Avito, I think I'm going to say his name, Avito, did was wrong. We're not going to say he responded the correct way in this situation, situation, but at, but again, the other guy is just being a shitty human being out in public. He's being a shitty public human being uh, that is just ruining the day, ruining the day of many other people. You're in a public restroom. You are expected to act a certain way uh, with everyone else. You're you're expected to inconvenience yourself a little bit to be respectful of other people. I don't know why. Some people have a hard time going out in public and being trying to be respectful of other people. I don't know why that is a problem in our society in the United States, but people do. He, he would rather uh, make the bathroom smell so bad for everyone else instead of just flushing the toilet to do a courtesy flush. That is, that is a big problem with our society today. That uh, Do I have the answers to? No, I don't. And, but we're starting a conversation here. Uh, we're starting a conversation about courtesy flushes, and I think moving forward, we can we can all know. Maybe someone else now is like, "Hey, a courtesy flush isn't just for you; it's for everyone. It's for the people you love. It's for your family." And then maybe we um, can go somewhere from there. All right, I'm done talking about this. Um, we got we got a couple other things we got to talk about today. Unfortunately, we got more more and more shit literally to talk about okay 
one straight out of a music radar. Slash says the that the sound of the iPod drove him crazy because it was so fucking digital. Guns N' Roses guitar Slash might once have had an appetite for destruction, but an appetite for game-changing portable music players? Not so much. Speaking to the Metro, the oft-behatted Riff Maven confessed, there was a period where I had an iPod, which I would take on the road with me for convenience, but the quality of the sound drove me crazy because it was so fucking digital. When asked to name his favorite music device, uh, Slash said, those little flat Sony cassette players that had a tape on one end and a speaker on the other, I used to walk around with that when I was the first started playing guitar. Uh, in the fact, it seems that Slash isn't really a digital man all uh, while he's happy to admit that, uh, that Pro Tools is a genius piece of technology, he also explains that I'm not a huge fan because it tends to be overused. Explaining in more detail, he says, It allows you to edit every single note, which means that people actually put records together not knowing how to play a single note. Of course, this is true of every dog, not just Pro Tools, but it's fair to say that Guns N' Roses have always been dubious about their the merits of digital technology. The original Appetite for Destruction CD liner notes, for example, said, Compact digital disc was originally recorded on analog equipment. We have attempted to preserve as closely as possible the sound of the original recording. Because of its rich resolution, however, the compact disc can reveal limitations of the source tapes. Uh, Slash's new album, four, uh, 4, featuring Miles Kennedy and The Conspirators, was released last week. Very interesting. So I kind of get what he's... So, like, if you don't know anything about what he's talking about here, um, that's where I'm here to explain what he's saying. So he's saying it sounds too digital. The iPod, obviously, it's so fucking digital. So um, I don't think there's any... Because you're kind of, like, confused. Like, why is it digital? So I'm assuming he... I mean, he grew up uh, with vinyl records. He grew up with cassettes, it sounding like. And his favorite, you know, obviously... Uh, portable music device. He had the Sony cassette player that had tape on one end and speaker on the other. Uh, what he's talking about um, in regards to that is the uh, so with an iPod, it's digital music. So um, the idea would be that music, the music would be recorded all digitally. There was no. Uh, it was previously probably when Slash was a kid, everything was still recorded on tape. But now, but when the iPod came out, a lot of things were more recorded through Pro Tools or Logic. Um, and then a later to be Ableton and stuff like that. Um, and so you don't have, I think one thing he's missing in his mind, I'll make it sound that way is the, um, uh, is it tape distortion? I want to say, uh, there's like a tape sound that comes out of it. It's just this natural distortion kind of thing. Uh, you can notice it. it. It's a weird thing to explain to someone who's not like into music recording or anything like that, but it's, uh, basically kind of makes all me that's why kind of older music kind of does sound a little bit similar to anything that was recorded digitally because there is this tape distortion put on it so drums don't sound as crisp like when you hear one of the really good Beatles records you can hear like some of the drums like you know kind of sound a little uh I don't know how to describe it a little bit more there's a different sound to it um to me the way I feel it in my mind it's like more curved and uh, with the digital, it's more sharp with, uh, when it's not recorded on tape. That's how I hear it. That could be sound really stupid to someone else, but that's kind of how I see it in my brain. Well, so that's what he's saying. He's having a problem with the iPod a lot of digital music. And then he actually, there's a lot of things I agree with him on uh, when he's going forward with the music recording, uh, when he's saying that uh, Pro Tools is a great piece of technology, but it's, it's ruining an artist's performance. That's why when I try to record music, especially with myself or with someone else, um, I always say, I'm not, I don't want to fake a performance. I want to give, 
I want to make a good performance and we have to edit two or three together, that's fine. But, you know, you still should be able to perform this stuff live. And so, like, I still try to get performances when I record either myself or someone else. I don't try to, like, fake performances. With, it's with a lot of music is doing these days. We're faking performances and stuff like that. Um, and I guess he's saying compact discs are... And actually, compact discs, theoretically... Um, are the best way to listen to music. Um, I think uh, flack players are probably a little bit better now, but um, for the most part, I think uh, actual CDs are the best way to listen to it. And I think um, since they're recorded on tape, they think it's not, the translation doesn't sound the same. So it makes a lot of sense. So I understand what Slash is trying to say here, um, but I don't know. I feel like um, with the iPod, I guess if he's just getting it off iTunes, it could sound a little bit different. If he's Ripping it from CDs could be a little bit different too. Um, I would, if I was the one interviewing here, writing this article down, I'd probably ask him a couple more questions that make a little bit more sense. But uh, overall, um, yeah, that's all I can really, uh, that's all I can really know from this article alone. So uh, a lot of things make sense. A lot of things could be a little bit confusing. Luckily, I kind of get what he's trying to say for the most part. But uh, love to uh, get more information on that. Ooh, from NME, uh, Johnny Greenwood says he pretended to play keyboard when he joined Radiohead. That's rough, buddy. Um, during the conversation with NPR's Fresh Air, Greenwood discussed his rise from legendary guitarist and keyboardist to award-winning composer. Early days, February 8th, he was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Original Score for James Campion's film, The Power of the Dog. Listen to the full episode below. That's from the article. Uh, Tom York's band had a keyboard player whom I think they didn't get on with because he played his keyboard so loud, he told NPR's Terry Gross. And so when I got the chance to play with them, the first thing I did was make sure my keyboard was turned off. I must have done months of rehearsals with them with this keyboard, and they didn't know that I had already turned it off. Greenwood also shared that Radiohead's frontman didn't notice he wasn't playing at first. They made quite a racket, quite a noise. It was all guitars and distortion, and so I would pretend to play for weeks on end, and Tom would say, uh, I can't quite hear what you're doing, but I think you're adding a really interesting texture because I can tell what you're you're not playing he said and i'm thinking no you can't because i'm really not playing and i'd go home in the evening and work out how to actually play chords and cautiously over the next few months i would start turning this keyboard up and that's how i started in with radiohead and he also discussed his approach to film scores including his work on paul thomas anderson's licorice pizza jane campion's the power of the dog and pablo lorraine's spencer uh, my reaction when Paul asked me was excitement. Greenwood said about the first time Anderson reached out to him after he score 2007's There Will Be Blood. I thought, this is going to be a bit being in a band in some body, except I'm in a band with Paul and the people who are making this film. Outside of today's Oscar nominations, Greenwood received an Academy Award nomination in 2018 for Phantom Thread and a Golden Globe nomination for The Power of the Dog. Uh, meanwhile, he's also set to embark on a tour with Radiohead's side project The Smile. They announced UK and European tour earlier this month with Kicks Off and Zagreb on May 16th. The trio comprising York, Greenwood, and Sons of Kermit Kemet, <laughs> Sons of Kemet drummer Tom Skinner released their debut single, You Will Never Work in Television Again, and its follow-up, The Smoke, in January. So, um, sounds really funny because, like, Tom York kind of does sound like that person, 
who would be a little bit full of shit. Like he's making good music, but he's also he's also seems kind of pretentious at the same time. And this is something that just kind of shows how pretentious he is in a bit. Where he's like, you know, I can't really hear what you're doing, but it's really adding a great texture. He's not playing at all. Like it's just some someone's just he's just being duped around. So I don't know. This story's like really funny. And he went from that to uh, playing. Uh, you know, he's like now he's writing scores for films and getting nominated for Oscars. It's just really funny. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's just you know like. It just I just turn the keyboard off and play it. You know, I've played in like the thing with jazz though is like in most bands when you're the guitar player and you're like the main guitar player, it's like you're the cool guy. But if you ever played in like jazz groups, uh, the guitar is the most worthless instrument in that group because you're sometimes you're just playing with the piano players playing, uh, or trying to blend in with what the horns are doing and stuff like that. It's not really a necessary because a lot of times a lot of bands don't even have guitar players and they'll just, you know, the keyboard player kind of just covers that shit, no problem. Uh, so like sometimes you play so quietly, like, oh, you're playing too loud. Then you just turn off and then you're not playing at all. And they're like, oh, that's perfect. Your perfect sound. One time I was doing like the musical, it was, uh, oh yeah, spring awakening at my school. And I like, I was using an amp cause I'm like, I'm not going to let them control the volume or anything. And so they mic'd up the amp or whatever. And they said I was like playing too loud and it was like barely any volume going in the mic. I'm like, you know, like, you could tell the sound what they're doing. Like put there's a button that says pad, press the pad down button and then turn, you know, you can turn it up and you got a lot more volume control or whatever. Cause I could barely, you know, I was standing right next to him, but I could barely hear it. That's the problem. Like, I don't know how they are having problems like with it being too loud when it's barely loud, but they were pretty dumb at fucking, uh, they're, yeah, they're pretty fucking dumb at like recording or the live sound stuff. They were just like, they're like, oh, we need to, here's a stereo. No, they had like three microphones and they're like, okay, you got to do a stereo pair. So you have to turn, uh, turn the stereo pair when you're recording it through a, through an analog interface. One mic is to the very far left, uh, the right mic to the very far right. And then the middle one in the center, and they just had it all in the center. Like, oh, well the spacing is kind of weird. I'm like, yeah, cause it's three mics set to mono. I don't know, whatever. I don't think I explained that very well. Anyways, though, this is funny. This made me laugh and that's why I wanted to go over it right now on the show okay last article we have um oh we got we got a return of and i really like that. we got a garth brooks update for you <clears throat> from the indie star garth brooks returns to notre dame stadium for may 7th concert uh, garth brooks said he's coming to notre dame stadium to compete uh, to see how he stacks up against his musical legacy, against the building's his history, and even against excitement surrounding this year's Fighting Irish football team. After all, the first concert presented at the 88-year-old stadium could have been scheduled on any Saturday during the spring, summer, or fall. <coughs> but the show will happen on October 20th, right in the middle of football season, on a bi-Saturday weekend Notre Dame game versus Pittsburgh with Ann Navy. Uh, Brooks said the show date was selected without his involvement, but he said he's up to the challenge in a monologue to rival new wrong pep talk. <clears throat> We're trying to compete with anything Notre Dame's ever had there. Brooks said during a Monday press conference at the stadium. So you come in here at the right time, prime time when everything is at its fullest and at its best. You get in there and compete with your history and you compete with your future. We're looking forward to the challenge. That sounds egotistical. 
hideous. All tickets for the 7 p.m. show are priced at $98.95 with service fees included. Tickets go on sale at 10 a.m. September 14th via Ticketmaster.com or by calling 1-800-745-3000. Brooks talked about his affection for Notre Dame football by recalling a fact about his dorm room when he attended Oklahoma State University in the 1980s. The wall, the wall's the walls, Brooks said, were adorned by three posters consisting of Merle Haggard, Notre Dame quarterback Joe Montana, and Playboy Magazine centerfold Candace Collins. Uh, the Iranian Country Music Association Entertainer of the Year said the Notre Dame Stadium show will mark the end of one phase of his career and the beginning of another. Without revealing details, Brooks said his current backing band will perform together for the last time at this show. It's going to be a real emotional night for all of us, Brooks said. If I can wrap up one word to match this university, Hopefully, it will be a night full of class. We don't do class, but hopefully, by then, we'll rehearse and get it done. A teaser video for the Notre Dame show posted at GarthBrooks.com frames the event in the context of iconic NBC concert special he made in Texas, New York City, and Dublin, Ireland. A century from now, Brooke envisions someone asking about the best concert ever staged in Notre Dame Stadium. Hopefully, somebody will stand up and speak your name. He said, that's what we're coming here for. Talking about shows logistics, Brooks said he will perform in the round. He also complimented the stage stadium's design of having no second tier or upper deck seating. Uh, what we love about the concert is the front row, he said. This is just going to be the front row everywhere. It's going to be fun. Wearing an orange Mr. Fix t-shirt and work jeans, Brooks attended Monday's press conference while taking a break from volunteering in Shawaka, he and his wife, Tershiard, are helping to build more than 20 Habitat for Humanity homes with Jimmy and Rosalind Carter. Brooks also used to use the public forum to preview a free album titled Triple Live. That will be available for download Tuesday at Ticketmaster.com. The recording features performances from his recent history of playing multiple dates in arenas. Uh, the last October, Brooks and Yearwood played five shows at Banker's Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis. Friends will be have a chance for an early download of Triple Live by watching a new episode of Brooks Inside Studio G, a show that streams live on Facebook every Monday at 7 p.m. Um... You know, it, okay, so this is just news. He's doing a concert. He, I, I couldn't find the actual clip, but there's a clip from the last time we played at Notre Dame Stadium. He's like, Tonight, the, the fighting Irish becomes the singing Irish. It's game day or Garth days, I like to say. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, ah, Garth. You know, it's like any other artist would just be like, it, this would be a boring-ass article, just, you know, giving you information, yada, yada, yada. With Garth, he makes it weird. So is he, like, getting a new band? Because he's been with the same band forever, even on after his, like, 16-year hiatus, you know, to raise his family. Like, he he came back with the same band. Uh, uh, so we're trying to compete with anything Notre Dame's ever had there. I mean, like, football, trying to compete with the football team. Okay, Garth, you're weird. Um... Anyway, so it's I don't so I guess uh, there's more information about him with this last time with this band at this show. If I can wrap up, so yeah, that's weird. Um, anyways though, um, Garth Brooks is being weird again, and he's gonna be in. I'm hopefully seeing more weird ass promo shit uh, coming up live from this uh, weird ass show that he's going to do. So Garth Brooks is still weird. Nothing, nothing new here. Did you know that 40% of the food in the U.S. goes uneaten? I did, and I don't think that is very cash money considering $218 billion is the exact dollar amount being thrown away. But now I know you're asking yourself, what can I do to help? 
Well, today's sponsor, Imperfect Foods, is here to solve that problem. Imperfect Foods is helping to prevent food waste, and so far, their customers have saved 139 million pounds of food. They're affordable and convenient, making sustainability more accessible. What I love most is that they meet a lot of different dietary needs. In moments I'm stingy with my diet, I always go full throttle on a low-carb diet. They can even hook you up if you're vegan or vegetarian as well. Here's the best part. When you sign up using the link in the description, you get an $80 credit. Holy guacamole from the avocados you can get from Imperfect Food. That is an incredible deal that you should be taking advantage of. So sign up for Imperfect Foods today. Help stop food waste and get an $80 credit. Remember, when you use our links and promos, you directly support this show. You all know that I'm built different but I bet you are coming to me to learn how to be built different as well. The only way to be built different is to get yourself some supplements from today's sponsor, FNX Fitness. FNX Fitness is committed to creating innovative supplements of the highest quality that provide focus for a productive morning, energy to thrive all day, performance supplements to reach new goals, unique sleep and recovery formulas to support any sport, and healthy supplements to support an active lifestyle for years to come. I also really enjoy their clothing line that makes you look good while working out as well. Another thing I love about FNX Fitness is that with every purchase, they donate a gallon of water to a child in need. Start working out smarter, not harder. By using the link in our description today, you can save 15% on your purchase. So go save 15% on some of the best supplements out there when using the link in our description. And remember, when you use our links, you directly support this show. So this week I've been watching a lot of television, um, a lot of television, sitting on my ass and... uh, Watching television, that's what I've been doing, and I guess uh, now is the perfect time for me to talk about it with everyone, about what I've been watching on the TV, on the telly. So uh, this week, I I first want to talk about uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, for those of you who don't know, uh, last week I talked about The Eyes of Tammy Faye, um, which starred Jessica Chastain and Andrew Garfield. Um, and I realized I didn't watch uh, one of the newest movies that Andrew Garfield was in titled uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, uh, basically based um, around Jonathan Larson, the creator of the hit musical Rent. Though, uh, yeah, it was I'm not talking about a really new Andrew Garfield movie. I did not say Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, this was funny because this is the movie he was promoting around the time Spider-Man No Way Home. And he's he's phenomenal in this movie. I just want to start off like saying Andrew Garfield is phenomenal in uh, Tick Tick Boom. But one of the big things about it is uh, uh, the big thing about it is when he was doing interviews and press for this, everyone was asking him if he was in Spider Man No Way Home. And at that time, he still had to lie about not being in Spider Man No Way Home because they really wanted to keep it a surprise that him and uh, Tobey Maguire were coming back as Spider Man in that movie. But uh, there were so many leaks already. I don't know if it was somewhat staged thing or not. It's just, you know, it, it, it would be cool. It'd be cool to be able to go into it and not know that they were going to be in the movie. But, uh, like my mom apparently saw it and she didn't know, she didn't know who Andrew Garfield was, but she knew who, uh, she, she knew Tobey Maguire. Cause that's the movies we saw all together when I was a kid. So she, she definitely knew who Andrew Gar- to Tobey Maguire was. Um, and, uh, the, apparently the story I saw on the Graham Norton show, uh, I guess, or like a clip I saw on Facebook of from the Graham Norton show was that, uh, 
Andrew Garfield has like a good friend who is a massage therapist for like people who work on Broadway in New York, you know, the, the musical theater people. Uh, and apparently he was giving a massage to Lin-Manuel Miranda. I guess Lin asked him if uh, Andrew Garfield could sing. And uh, this massage therapist just lied out of his ass like, oh, Andrew, he's a terrific singer. Apparently he had to call Andrew afterwards like, hey, can you sing? And Andrew, I guess, was like, not really. And he's like, well, I told Lin-Manuel Miranda you could. Uh, and apparently he still got the role and everything. And he was terrific at singing, like, especially not knowing that he had any singing experience going into that show. It's it's amazing. I did, that's amazing to me to hear that. And, and I don't know. And I'm on the mind that everyone can sing for the most part. Like everyone can sing now. If you're a really good singer, is uh, debatable on, on my end. But uh, I kind of like everyone's like, oh, I can sing. Everyone's like, oh, I play guitar. I don't know. That's just my mind. Everyone's always telling me they play guitar and shit like that. I'm like, oh, cool. I'm glad to hear you can play guitar. Um, but anyways, though, but no, anyways, though, so this is a Jonathan Larson musical, which I didn't know it was a musical. Uh, I just thought it, this was like the, a movie based on the life of Jonathan Larson. I didn't know this was an actual musical written by Jonathan Larson talking about like a part of his life and stuff like that. So, uh, that was something I figured out near the end of the show, but, uh, going into it though, I thought it was really cool. I'm glad I didn't know too much. Going into that, I just knew Jonathan Larson was the guy who wrote Rent, and it's been forever since I watched the Rent movie. I don't think I've ever seen it on Broadway or anything. Take me for what I am, who I was meant to be, and if you give a damn, take me, baby, or leave me. And for those of you who don't know, uh, I don't know a ton about musical theater, but I fucking see that like when people talk about like guilty pleasure music and the idea of guilty pleasure is something you're not supposed to like, but you do for me, it's like musical and stuff like that. Apparently you're not supposed to like that. But, uh, anyways, though, I do, I enjoy it, but I don't, I don't have a ton of knowledge on musicals. So like, like I can tell you about, I can tell you the history of like the Beatles or even just like random ass artists, like whose Wikipedia pages I've read. But like when we talk about musicals, I'm like, I'm not as good at the history or, or that, you know, um, I can remember the ones I've played in, but like, besides that, it's like not as well. Um, but yeah, no, dude, I, I love musical theater. And, uh, so, uh, very interesting story, you know, to listen to. Um, and just surprising, even then, Andrew Garfield is a better singer than Lin-Manuel Miranda, who directed this movie, which is really good. I think uh, I think for a directorial debut, I think Lin-Manuel Miranda uh, was terrific at this. Uh, let me read the bio uh, from Wikipedia. I just wanted to, I want, I want to read the bio of this, uh, this musical. Um, Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, is a 2021 American biographical musical drama film directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda in his feature directorial debut. Written by Steven Levinson, it is based on the stage musical of the same name by Jonathan Larson, a semi-autobiographical story about Larson's writing a musical to enter the industry. The film stars Andrew Garfield, Robin De Jesus, uh, Alexandra Shipp, Joshua Henry, Judith Light, and Vanessa Hudgens. Tick, Tick, Boom it had its world premiere at the AFI Fest on November 10th, 2021, and began a limited 
theatrical release two days later before streaming on Netflix on November 19th. The film received positive reviews for Garfield's performance in Miranda's direction. It was named one of the best films of 2021 by the American Film Institute. It was nominated for Best Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy at the 79th Golden Globe Awards and Best Picture at the 27th Critics' Choice Awards for his performance. Garfield earned numerous awards, including the Golden Globe Award for Best Actor, Motion Picture, Musical, or Comedy, as well as a nomination for the Academy Award for Best Actor. So, honestly, all well-deserved. Like, this, like, I'm telling you, this, this musical was, like, super inspiring to me, because I think, I think it hit me, this musical hit me right at the right point in my life. I'm glad it came out right this time, because I'm basically 28 and a half. Uh, my half birthday's on Valentine's Day, um, funny enough, 28 and a half, and so this musical is on the cusp of Jonathan Larson turning 30, and he cast a, he compares his career to Stephen Sondheim, uh, who like had his big musical theater debut at 27. So, in Jonathan Larson's mind, he, he is he is a late bloomer from who we believe where he should be at his life in the uh, in this musical theater industry and stuff like that, which kind of hits home uh, for me a lot. Like I said, I'm 28 and a half, and he was 29 going on 30, uh, going this. So we're around the same age. Uh, you know, in regards to this story specifically. And, uh, you know, you're just like, yeah. And, uh, the best advice I always give anyone is do not compare yourself to others, especially in the industry, because, uh, you're both great and you're both at the right spot where you should be. And no one's success happens the way you think it should. And so I, in something I always try to tell myself and I never, never follow. I always compare myself to others and, uh, and then you get jealous and it can be really bad because then you get jealous of others and then all of a sudden you're uh, trying to compete with others and it's not like a competition. Like you can both have your time in this. If you're trying to compete with someone else, you can both have your time to shine and, uh, and like the fact that like at this age, like Jonathan Larson is so close from having his big break, um, kind of, in a sense, to having his big break to be forever cemented in musical theater history. And he's just like, he knows it. And, uh, it's, it's so frustrating, but they started the song called 3090. And, uh, it's about, he's on the cusp of turning 30, uh, you know, comparing his career to Stephen Sondheim. And, uh, he's like, he's almost done with this musical and he's getting ready to present this musical in front of a bunch of people to try to see if they can get it on Broadway and, uh, stuff like that. So like, it kind of ends with, uh, with Jonathan Larson, he basically, uh, he finishes the musical and they're like, well, they really like this show, uh, like this presentation you gave. However, I don't think it's going to be, it's going to be put on Broadway and I don't think there, there's a budget for it to be even off Broadway, stuff like that. So they just like, well, you're on the right track. And so you have to keep going. And then he has to, you know, he goes to his friend. He's like, you know what? Maybe I'll just, just work a day job. I don't know if I can continue to do this to myself because um, I think I, I said this last week or maybe a week before. Uh, ben Folds famously said in on his uh, album, his 2015 album, 2015 or 20, I think it's 2015 album. So there, he he quotes the line: "Seems what's been good for the music hasn't always been so good for the life." And it's just this idea of like you you struggle for your art and like you you really, literally you ruin your body, you ruin your mind, you almost ruin your soul just to, to do this. And, you know, he was at a point of just giving up. And then after his friend told him he was HIV positive, like he decided to keep going further. And, uh, you know, he'd still have to work his shitty diner job to uh, try and barely survive to that way he can do what he loves. 
and it's just it's insane. Like you know, you know, you think about this. I mean, I'm getting kind of emotional talking about this. So uh, taking me uh, for what I uh, for what I am, but uh, you know, it, it ends with you know, eventually, you know, Jonathan he creates this musical, Tick Tick Boom, and then he creates this one musical he had in the back of his mind, I guess, called Rent, which you now have all heard of, and. Like the crazy, the crazy thing with how this ends is that the night Rent opens on Broadway, the very night his musical Rent opens on Broadway, he he dies. He dies the very night Rent, and then Rent went on to be this huge musical that like swept the nation. Probably one of the great, one of the greatest musicals of all time. So the, the songs are fantastic in it. Uh, depending on your thoughts on it, it's just it's hard. It's hard to dislike that the musical Rent. There, you could probably get annoyed with the songs, but probably because you've heard them so many times. They made a movie out of it. I think I remember Rosaria Dawson's in the movie, right? She's in everything. Isn't that weird? Rosaria Dawson's in everything, but it's it's so weird. He died at thirty five, and this musical is all about him like turning thirty. So, in like five years time, he finished his groundbreaking work, and then he dies. And it's like this. There's like a poetry to his death on like he's dying there's the poetry to the death he dies at 35 the night the opening night of his musical that would have been he he worked his entire life and he never got to like reap the rewards of what he made it's just, i don't know it's so interesting and so so many you know there's it's a lot of thoughts you can have going into this and uh i have a lot of thoughts but i'm absolutely in love with uh tick tick booms musical i it's on netflix uh we all have netflix at least right now 2022 we all have netflix if you haven't seen tick tick boom yet go watch even if you don't know anything about uh rent or jonathan larson or anything like that uh i highly recommend it because the story is so first of all the story on its own of tick tick boom is so good it's about like a guy trying to make it in the musical (laughs) music theater industry and like him struggling to it, the songs are great. Lin Manuel Miranda, Miranda, he's the guy behind Hamilton. You know, with and he didn't, and he just had, a, and he wasn't in it. He only had like a small cameo at like a cook in the diner. He he didn't sing at all. I know a lot of people don't like Lin Manuel Miranda's singing, and I get it. I get it too. But what if we didn't have to have slaves? Would a god god to put it all in one spot? You know, not a lot of people like Lin Manuel Miranda. But uh, I have to tell you though, this this is a this is a phenomenal show, movie, music, everything in regards to that. And it's, and it's great. And the nice thing with Jonathan Larson is if you get, if it hits right in your life, you can, it can come to you at the right moment in your life. And I think right now, this musical came to me in the right moment in my life. And I am telling you, it inspired me, encouraged me. It's making me think it's making me learn and I highly suggest that everyone here listening to this show go check it out on Netflix. Find a girlfriend. Get your get your spouse. It's a movie. Like you're a guy listening to the show, and you're like, "Oh, I need to watch a movie that a girl will like. She'll like this mu- musical too." It's it's a uh, it's very safe for her. It's not just the fucking taxi driver or whatever these people you you kids take your dates to watch on Netflix or whatever. It's it's great. And I'm telling you all, you need to go check it out immediately. Another thing I've been watching, I haven't finished it yet, but I have been watching it over on, uh, it's on A&E. It's not on Discovery Plus yet, unfortunately. Fortunately, Discovery Plus has not gotten it on. I'm assuming when the series is all done, it's still airing. I think there's two episodes left called The Secrets of Playboy. Um, 
So it's just this any documentary. It's like a mini documentary series. I'm like totally trying to change tone to something that's like really inspiring the, to uh, men being creepy to women. Like I was trying to switch that in my mind. And uh, so, uh, so it's, you know, it's about the secrets of Playboy, you know, obviously about Playboy Mansion, Hugh Hefner. Um, and you're going into this documentary, you know, you, you have to think to yourself, um, like, you know, you're supposed to be surprised. Some people are like, I can't believe all of this sexual misconduct and harassment and rape and stuff like that has been going on. And, you know, just going in, you know, in my mind going into this is like, usually it's like, oh, someone, a woman got raped at the Playboy Mansion. Like, I'm not surprised. Um, most of the stuff they talk about uh, in this entire documentary series, you just go into it watching and like nothing surprises you uh, on what's going on. Nothing here is a surprise to anyone on anything they're talking about. Uh, you know, like just like, oh, these celebrities were her sexually harassing these women. Like, no shit. Like, we know this. Like, it's uh, nothing surprises me. I'm not really saying I'm agreeing with anything that's going on in this, in this mini documentary series, but at the same time, I'm not surprised any of this happens. Let's just be honest. Nothing in this documentary surprised me at all. Um, but I'm also very interested in the tea that's going on there. Um, because I think I mentioned, I don't know if I've ever mentioned, but, you know, now, nowadays, even, like, when around Hugh Hefner's death, it was, like, really, you know, that you just think about Playboy and you're like, oh, the fucking nude nude magazines? Like, come on, Grandpa. We we can, we can't, like, we can't have to watch any porn right now in the palm of our hands on our phones. Uh, but, you know, back in the day before that, um, when you were a kid and you needed porn, uh, it was it was not as easy to get porn. Like, you you had to... Uh, even like get like this, like, like, like kids like this, like to even get a playboy, you had to be over 18, obviously. And so if you're a kid and you just need some porn, you know, like you, you were lucky to get one porno magazine or whatever to get in. That's what playboy was there to do. And then, you know, eventually you're adult, you can just buy that shit. That's what no one gives a shit. You can just buy that. That's not a big deal when you're an adult. Uh, but when you're a kid though, it's weird like that. And so, Playboy, you know, used to be like the the best porn and stuff like that, and uh, and like for the time, I guess at the beginning, you can say this would only happen at the beginning of the career. Like Playboy was somewhat progressive, uh, like at the beginning of it. Like they were pretty progressive at the time. They were like, oh, we're gonna show black girls too. Black girls can be on Playboy, you know, with the white girls, and it's not a big deal. And like. For that time, like, he was pretty progressive, and then uh, eventually he just started doing shitty things. And then that's when you stop being progressive. And so there was, like, a small window in time where Playboy the magazine was progressive for women. And then it stopped being progressive for women. Uh, it didn't didn't take very long for it to stop being progressive for women. Uh, like, girls would be assaulted all the time. Still not, you know, not a surprising thing. Um, which, you know, I'm like, I know, I know, I'm not agreeing for it, but the weird thing is, it's like, you know, if I was, you know, if I was running Playboy and, you know, it's clearly a man run industry with, uh, taking, you know, the labor from women, technically, wouldn't you want to protect the women in my mind? Because like, Hey, this guy is being mean to her. I'm like, shut the fuck up. We'll fuck you up. Uh, and Playboy is pretty powerful. Like they were able to when all this assault stuff happened, they were able to make sure none, none of it went back to the police. They would make sure that, uh, you know, the women would be quiet, the men would be quiet about everything, 
stop doing that. But then they let the men come back. I would always try to, what I would try to do in the most part, because they didn't want any, uh, like any big deal with the police. They didn't want any news stories. They wanted to make, you know, Playboy for the most part look like a good thing, which I kind of get, you know, you have a business, you don't want any controversies or anything like that. So that's why they try to clean it up there. However, I feel like the way they kind of cleaned it up, um, made it a little bit more controversial. Um, because if I was running Playboy, you know, at that time, I'd be like, look, we have a main priority to make sure the girls are protected. And that's, that'd be my thing. And like, there were like points like, Hey, there's like these Playboy clubs and they're like, Hey, can we get someone to like, we're the bus boys to walk the women's to their car or whatever. And then they were like, no, they're big girls. They can handle themselves. I'm like, no, these guys are creepy. And I know you want their money, but they're also like, could be dangerous in the, and now you like, well, we got a million other girls we can get. Like, well, protect, you just got to protect the girls. And be like, that way it makes it look a little bit. I don't know why that was such a big deal. Like, make the bus boys. Be like, when you hire, like, a bus boy or whatever, a kitchen staff. Or like, um, yeah, there's also a responsibility, like, just walking the girls to their cars. I'm like, that is not a big deal at all. Uh, just making sure every your employees stay safe. And, uh, you know, and then when someone's a creep, you just revoke their member staff or whatever. And, like... And at the same time, they're like, well, I'm going to tell everyone you kicked me out. I'm like, yeah, we'll tell everyone that you were being a creep and then ruin your career. So I don't know. I feel like they could have handled a lot of things a little bit better. Probably they didn't. It was a different time back then. They just probably wanted to then think of the best way to do things. But uh, that's what I would have done if I were them. I would have tried to protect the women and everything and stuff like that. Also, there was a ton of drugs at the Playboy Mansion, which in first thing comes to my mind is very cool. But also, um, one of these drugs were quaaludes or... Um, apparently what they, Q Hefner called them, uh, thigh openers. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> they called them thigh openers? Yeah, this drug's called thigh openers because it make women loose and that way you could have sex with them. And, uh, I don't know. See, I don't, I don't understand the idea of it was just part of the times and shit like that because I don't feel like drugging a woman to rape them, um, was ever okay. I don't know how it was ever like an okay, you know, when you think about how, yeah, people used to smoke cigarettes all the time because we didn't know any better. Um, that make, you can at least, at least kind of make sense, but, uh, cause there weren't studies made on it, but then you're like, well, people didn't know any better. That's why we drugged up women and raped them. Like we, we knew that was wrong. We always knew that was wrong. Like there was not a time where we can say that that was not wrong. Okay. We, we know that that's wrong and it always was wrong and stuff like that. So, and, like, they would have, like, f- six or seven people, including Hugh Hefner, uh, get, have prescriptions from a doctor for quaaludes. Like, they would get it. That way they just had a huge pot of quaaludes that they could all just get into whenever they needed to. Like, what the fuck there is going on? Like, that's fucking, you know. And then, you know, then there was, like, cocaine and weed, which, to be honest, I, even cocaine, like, I don't think those are bad drugs. Like, if they're drugs for white people, like, I, I know this sounds a little racist, but I'm not trying to be racist. Happy Black History Month. Oh, bitch, get out of my fucking way. It's Black History Month. But, uh, you know, because they, they made some drugs for white people and then they distributed some drugs made for black people. That's history right there. And, like, weed and, I don't know, weed and cocaine just don't seem that bad to me. Uh, even if a black person was doing it, it's like, ah, whatever. It's not, it's just weed. It's just cocaine. Chill the fuck out. But the police were up their ass about everything. And so they got this one chick, Bobby Arnstein, who was about to get in real big trouble for it. Had to, like, the only way she could get out was uh, unaliving herself as um, 
as the YouTube mods would like me to say, uh, unalived herself um, because of her involvement with trafficking drugs or getting drugs to the Playboy Mansion. That's all it was. I'm like, but minus the quaaludes, though, weed and cocaine, like, seriously, those are the drugs you're worried about. And I know it was, like, back in, like, the 70s, 80s, you know, like, they're Richard Nixon's stupid fucking war on drugs that didn't work. Drugs won. You made a war on drugs and drugs won. It's, it, they're still winning. And, you know, and now in, like, Chicago and uh, California, where the, the Playboy Mansion is, but probably, I don't think they're really around anymore. I'm waiting for the end of the documentary. The documentary series has not ended yet. Uh, but weed is legal in those two states. And why is it not legal federally? Uh, because they want black people to go to jail. That is why. Um, so I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like DEA cops trying to get people with drugs are just fucking, uh, boot, these fucking bootlickers. Fuck the police, FYI. Um, and I feel like Barbie, if they didn't care them, if they would just chill out on the drugs, Barbie Arnstein probably still be alive. Probably wouldn't have had to kill herself. You know, they'd probably just like make her pay, pay, like pay a fine or whatever. Uh, and then let her go. Like, you know, and then Hugh Hefner would have probably just paid that off for her. You know, it's like, it's drugs. Come on, it's, it's it's just cocaine and weed. It's not that big of a deal. Those are like, those are like the chillest drugs ever. I mean, cocaine to a point, but, uh, you know, they're just an upper and a downer, you know, call them the fuck out. And if you're a cop listening to this for some reason, um, stop charging people with drugs. It's just, it's just a waste of time and taxpayer money. Like, you're wasting people's times. Um, but the last thing I want to talk about here is uh, when you hear about a lot of these rapes, they were, uh, they they say they were sodomized, and it was a lot of anal sex. Now, here's the thing here. Obviously, rape is wrong, and I'm not gonna argue rape is wrong, um, but I don't know. In, in, In my experience, isn't, isn't everything for anal, isn't there a lot more prep for anal that you need to do? Like, a ton of lube and you know, butt plugs and stretching things out and going in slowly. Like, I feel like anal is a whole ordeal where, you know, the vaginal sex, you know, there is a little bit of, you know, things you got to work towards, but you know what I'm trying to say here? I don't want to go into any more details. Kind of what's, I know, and I need to, but, uh, like, doesn't doesn't anal take a lot of prep? I mean, from, if I had to do receive anal, it would take a lot of prep on my end to do that. I don't know. That's my thoughts on this. Um, but it's on, uh, if you, if y'all want to know more, it's all on a and I've been watching it on the a and app where it's connected to cable and shit. I think they have a, they have a, uh, there's a free trial maybe. I don't know. Uh, but you should go check it out. It's very interesting. Um, but, uh, those Playboy Mansion parties, you know, besides, cause I wouldn't rape anyone. I think those sound like a lot of fun back in like the nineties. If I was around back then, uh, you know, I would go to those parties. Of course, I would be considered a dork by everyone. Be like, hey, ladies, and I would be like, try not to, like, hurt them or anything. I would come off as a total dork. But uh, I don't think the ladies would hate me, so that's cool. And I wouldn't rape anyone or give them quaaludes. Um, that's, that's, the, that's, that's who I am, and uh, yeah. last thing I want to talk about this week, I'm just not going to talk for long, is about the Peacemaker finale, Peacemaker on HBO Max or Home Box Office Max. So if you have, if you don't want to be spoiled, I may 
spoil something. So I guess now is the good time to fast forward until you hear our ad for uh, what's what would the ad be? Privacy.com. Uh, just kind of fast forward till you hear that. I don't, I'm not going to have a proper time code. So just fast forward now if you don't want to be spoiled. Anyways, though, I'm going to start spoiling now. Um, so the Peacemaker finale was last Thursday. And I got to say, this show was refreshing for a, you know, a superhero show. Um, you know, Disney Plus, you know, and Marvel, they make phenomenal shows, but this is so different. And I think James Gunn, uh, is, you know, phenomenal and his like comedy style, like his comedy style is just perfect. Cause it seems like something's like, uh, you would make these jokes, but then you probably cut it off really quickly and then go back to the plot. But he kind of lets it keep going on until a proper ending point to it. And then they kind of go back to the main plot of the show. And that's something I really love with James Gunn's style. Um, this finale, you know, was interesting because, uh, you think that um, Chris Chris Smith or Peacemaker is going to side with the butterflies, but then he ends up killing the cow at the very last minute. Um, so that, that was really funny. And, uh, you know, it's about, you know, and James Gunn's always really good about making shows about finding family and stuff like that. Um, and the the final scene of that fight is he's, they're like all walking away. They finish the job and the Justice League shows up like and he's like, you're late, assholes. And then he tells Aquaman, go fuck another fish. And then Aqu- and they actually have Jason Momoa and uh, Barry Allen. What's the I can't remember the actor's name. He plays Barry Allen. He's like, I'm so fucking sick of that rumor. And then Barry Allen's just like, it's not a rumor. It's true or something on the lines of that. And he's like, shut the fuck up, Barry. <laughs> And stuff like that. So they like somewhat confirm, and they also confirmed the Green Arrow exists in the DCEU, and that he's a brony too, which is hilarious because I think uh, uh, Steve Agee's character was just like um, everything else he said about superheroes is true, but I've actually heard the Green Arrow one is true, <laughs> and like they confirmed Batmite exists too in the DCEU or in some capacity. This is all really funny. And I think that's just, you know, with the Justice League cameo, that's how you do a cameo. Because they obviously didn't get Wonder Woman or uh, Henry Cavill to come back for their roles. But they did get Jason Momoa, Barry, and then Barry Allen or whatever. I can't remember his name. He plays Credence. Uh, but, no, it was great. And I, I thought it was great. And I love it when they can do small cameos and make it work really well in the show. So if you haven't watched Peacemaker and you actually listen to this, go check out Peacemaker on Homebox Office Max. Uh, one of the best shows, um, superhero shows out there right now that you should be watching. When an enemy shoots at you, you pull out your Captain America shield. When Doc Ock attacks you on a bridge, you control the nanobots from your iron spider suit to control his arms. So why are you allowing all these websites to store your credit card information? The solution to that is today's sponsor, Privacy. Privacy is the first payment product that keeps your personal information private while being even more convenient than using a physical payment card online. Privacy empowers you to protect your physical card information. Each merchant you share your card information with puts you more at risk to hackers or data breaches. Why not use a privacy card instead? By creating a virtual card with privacy for each merchant you shop with, your physical card is safe and secure. Privacy cards can be paused or closed at any time, preventing any future transactions from being authorized. Privacy cards can also be single-use, meaning they close after just one authorized transaction. One of my favorite ways to use privacy is for any service with a free trial that requires a credit card to sign up. But wait, there's more. By using our link in the description, you can get $5 to spend anywhere. 
That's money that you get to use. So start paying the smart way with privacy. And remember, when you use our links, you directly support this show. Anything can be delivered to you these days. Beds, bananas, bricks, and even boxes of beans. But what about alcohol? Yes, even alcohol can be delivered to you thanks to today's sponsor, Drizzly. Drizzly gets all your favorite beer, seltzer, wine, whiskey, and much more delivered directly to your home. With their easy-to-use mobile app, we are getting one step closer to never leaving our homes. You know it's saying something when it is being praised as the Amazon for liquor. Drizzly is my go-to app for getting all the booze I need so I can do other things. So using our link in the description today, you can save $5 off your first purchase through Drizzly. Drizzly has proprietary ID verification technology that it provides to its retail partners that allow drivers to scan IDs for more than a barcode to make sure the purchaser is over 21 years old in the U.S. and of legal drinking age in Canada. Retailers on Drizzly may have a minimum order or delivery fee, so using our link in the description, get $5 off your first order with Drizzly. And remember, when you use our links, you directly support this show. It's now time for Ask Ask Shweezy, the show where I answer questions to further society into what we now know to be as society. You know we're living in a society. Um, Ooh, bitch, get out of my fucking way. It's Black History Month. So without that being said, let's just get into it. I want to see what questions I have to answer this week and uh, where we will go from here. We got we got. We got our questions, we got time on the clock, we have a podcast, and we're going to answer questions. That's how this, that's kind of how this, this, this show works. Um, and the first question we have here today, do you ever search for a porn star who looks like your crush or someone you like? Um, all the fucking time. That's like, that's the perfect thing to do. And, uh, and I'm telling you right now, if people who don't do that are a little weird, unless you're like, if you're, if you're kind of single and you 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 typically it's the best i'm telling you right now find a porn star uh, you don't even have to have like a crush on her just someone you think is attractive and you find a porn star who looks like someone you think is attractive it will make your day to find out that information i'm telling you right now it is the best and the best thing is if they ever find out perfect you have the perfect thing to say is that oh I really like the way they look because they kind of look like you. And no woman is going to get mad at being compared look uh, like you find an attractive porn star and you tell a woman that she looks like said porn star. If they're mad, they're lying because being compared to someone who's attractive, like I get I get told I look like Jason Momoa all the time. And, you know, sometimes I could be offended by it. But otherwise, I know we're both two single handsome men and uh that's what women really like about us i like that um and you know it's something we gotta live with i look like jason momoa and you know what it's okay and uh that's the thing though so i i I highly suggest i suggest to all men out there is to if you're if you're with someone find a porn star that looks like your partner if there's just any girl you like Think you think about a girl you wish you could have sex with, but in real life, there's too many variables in the way for you two to have consensual sex. Um, there's no way for you two to actually have consensual sex with each other. Um, it's 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 amazing to find a porn star that looks just like them. Find a vi- find they have multiple videos, and uh, 
And it's like, you get to pretend like you're having sex with your friend. And if they have an OnlyFans, you don't even have to take them on a date to see them naked. You can just pay like $6 and you get to see them naked, save the photos you want to save. And it's only a one month, it's only $6. And you can just keep all those nudes forever. It's, it's great. But anyways, no. When you find a porn star who looks like someone you know in real life, I gotta tell you, it is the best shit you will ever you will ever have in your life. I'm telling you right now, folks, go find porn stars who look like people you know in real life, and it is great. I'm telling you, the the best the best part of your life. Even better if it's your significant other. And so if you look at them, they're like, oh, you were just thinking about me. And so there's there's a lot of pros and very little cons uh, to to this finding porn stars who look like people you like in real life. It's it's phenomenal. It's a life hack that I have not mentioned to other people before. But I'm telling you right now, it is a perfectly great life hack that you all need to be taking advantage of right now. Finding porn stars that look like either your significant other, your crush, or someone you just think is attractive in the real world that you're probably never going to have sex with. It's, I'm telling you right now, it is take advantage of the situation. I like that. Um, anything else I have to say on that topic? I don't think so. I don't think I have anything else I really need to say. But uh, just uh, just a little life advice for everyone out there. Something you should do, can do, and I bet you are going to do after you get done with this podcast. I'm telling you right now, good advice coming from me. Second question we have here. Why do women cook more than men, but most chefs are men? So that's a very good question because you, you know, you're, you're typically less, if you think about that, 1950s perfect family uh you have your the man works and like he works his job 40 hours a week he comes home his wife has cleaned the house taking care of the babies has uh cooked dinner and when you get home you make you you know you get home to a nice well-cooked meal you're like honey how was your day and she was like oh honey how was work and everything and then eventually you know you watch your evening tv on the 12 inch black and white tv you then, uh, and then you go to bed and you, in your separate twin beds and you go to sleep and you wake up, do it all over again. That's like the perfect 1950s. And so, and so, yeah, it's been very much known and it's very somewhat expected at some points that women have to know how to cook. And then the man has to know how to have a job and everything to provide for the family. That's more of a stereotypical type of situation. Um, and then, you know, now we're in the 21st century and uh, both men and women can work, and they can both come home, and they can both cook, and they can both clean, and they can both take care of children. And, yeah, and we all have uh, mattresses, which are medium or king-size mattresses from Novella Mattresses, 10% off using our link in the description or promo code SHWEEZY. And uh, you can go, you can go, and then you can just sleep in the same bed on a nice, comfortable mattress. Um, but, uh, I think it, it just comes from the idea, uh, that you know, the idea of what you're talking about, like that women need to cook more than men, uh, but more men are chefs is because, um, I think I heard someone say this once that actually made sense or was the kind of the truth behind it is that men cook for money, but women cook for, uh, uh, but 
women cook for like the family and stuff like that. Cause so only men should be allowed to cook for a career because men are more expected to have careers over women. Women are more expected to, you know, if they have children to kind of put their careers on the sidelines or quit their careers. And, uh, that's like, they're supposed to give up their careers to raise children. Now, do I agree with all that? No, I'm also not a woman and I would never tell a woman how to do that. If we have kids like, well, it's, I mean, we should both take care of the kids. I think that's a good idea. However, though, I mean, we have to, you know, figure that out and our careers and everything like that. Um, but, yeah, I think the, the most idea I believe that's behind that is uh, why men are more chefs for careers. Because if men are going to cook, it's going to be for a career. It's not going to be for, like, taking care of the family. It's just, you know, there's that traditional male models and women models that, you know, that perfect family that we go back into. Um, but if a man's going to have a career, he can have a career in cooking. And, you know, it's weird that people don't call men who cook gay. Like men who bake are, like, apparently are gay. Um, according to some friends I have who think using shampoo is gay. I'm like, oh, it's not. Cleaning your ass is gay. Cleaning your ass is not gay. It's it's perfectly good. And we should all be cleaning our asses. Uh, that's, that's the type, this is, uh, this is the type of guy you get. There we go. That's the sound drop I wanted. Um, so yeah, so, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with women being chefs. I don't think there's anything wrong with a man being a chef. Uh, everyone do what you love. And, uh, when life finds a way, you find a way as well and figure that shit out from there. But, uh, women can have careers too. Um, no one, I don't believe women should not be allowed to have careers. Women should be allowed to have careers. Men should be allowed to have careers. Um, maybe, maybe we should stop having children. Maybe, maybe we should give up on having kids. That's a good idea. No more kids. I think no more kids is a good idea that we should all try to strive for. No more children. Children are the worst. Yeah. Huh, okay. Uh, number three... If Kanye West was born with a different skin tone or gender, would he still be called a creative genius despite his polarizing behavior? Um, that's a good question. I I want to take a, take away his behavior for a second because I know race is always going to be a, a staple and when you're talking about Kanye West, but at the same time, for me, the creative genius... I don't know necessarily needs to be connected to his skin color per se. Um, cause I mean, I guess he, he has done a lot more like with hip hop music and typically comes from black people. He's from South side Chicago where he's pr probably going to be black. Um, well, the reason why I think you would consider Kanye creative genius, a lot of people, it's like, I'm a genius, and everyone thinks, oh, Kanye, you're such an idiot. But, like, you look at what he's done with, uh, like, how he does samples and how he does music and how he's produced music and the things he's, like, done creativity, creatively, creatively with music, creatively, creatively with music is, is super interesting. Like, I heard someone, uh, someone on TikTok, I guess, uh, showed an example of Kanye's, uh, like the first sample that really got him famous or the first beat he made. And it was like this Jackson five guitar beat. He like took that without the drum before like this loop of it with no drums. And then like he slowed it down a bit 
So you can still hear. I think it's, I, do I want to say it's something Jackson? It's something by the Jackson 5. I know for that for sure. Um, it was a beat for Jay-Z, and they slowed down, added drums to it, and then Jay-Z made his song on top of that. And I'm like, I would have never thought to take that guitar loop, slow it down, and make an entire beat off of that. My mind, if I was going to do that, I would have taken that guitar loop, and then I would have maybe put a new drum beat on top of that, maybe a different bass line to go along with it. I've never thought to slow it down to a certain degree, like to a certain percentage, like how big of a slowdown he would have done with that. Slowed it down that way and did that. And then uh, how he created that beat. I was like, amazing. And then, you know, he the way he samples music, that makes him a genius. Um, the way he produces music is he's a genius because you then like hear the original and hear what Kanye did to it. And uh, even one of his bigger songs, uh, uh, Stronger, Faster, Longer, that with that Daft Punk song, it better do it better, faster, stronger. And the way he made that, 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 that won't kill me can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up. Cause like, I think the Kanye version of that hundred times better than what Daft Punk did with it. And like, you know, you talk about Daft Punk being some of the, making some of the best music out there. However, that song was improved a hundred percent when Kanye went to it. And then you hear a lot of, uh, just, you know, you can go with example, example all day. I can go all day on it uh with Kanye's you know creativity the way he thinks of making the beat is something I would have never thought to do in any ways uh to do uh then you go to would he still be called a creative genius despite his polarizing behavior um I mean you could see I mean you're just thinking about I don't think people are necessarily placing his behavior to his creativity I think we're taking his behavior as mental health problems. I don't think a lot of people are going to it uh, with skin color and gender over that. Because I think, I mean, if Kanye was white and, you know, acting this way, you know, to his ex-wife Kim, uh, I mean, I mean, probably he'd be getting away with a lot more. Like, you, people are like, ah, Kanye's going to fucking murder her and Pete. Pete Davidson. Oh, people think like Kanye's gonna murder him, but with these white, it's like, uh, she isn't like it'd be it'd be a lot worse because like you feel like you feel like it's harder, it's easier for a white person to murder someone than a black person to murder someone. I don't know, that's me. Um, I don't think that's anything to do with creative genius. Um, his behavior, I think as a white person, would be his behavior itself is different from skin color and gender. However, I don't believe uh, the question you're making where you're talking about his creativity, his creative genius, uh, would be different. And creative creative genius would be different with his polarizing behavior because just because someone makes good music does not give them a right to be a dick. That's just, uh, that's 100% there. Um, you could be like, that guy is a dick, but I really like his music. And you have to, and you remember to separate the artist from the art um, is a very good conversation. I always think we should be having. Are we able to separate the artist from the art? Uh, because right now uh, the artist is not really helping his art too much with his uh, shitty behavior and stuff like that. But I hope uh, Kim Kardashian has security watching uh, because Kanye is gonna murder Pete Davidson if they're not careful. And uh, like part of my mind's like that's funny, and another part of my mind's like. I don't know. I think Kanye needs to. He's like, oh, this is the real me. I'm off the meds. I'm like, take them. Take take the meds. I think we 
would all love you for taking the meds, Kanye. I think, Kanye, you, you can get back on the meds. And I think uh, we'd all be okay with that forever. So, Kanye, maybe you should get back on the meds because your music is great, and this would really help your music if you stop being a shitty human being. Okay. Next question, question number four. Is it wrong for my white friend to dress up as a person of color character or a POC character? My friend is white and they really love Encanto. They want to dress up as Camillo for Halloween and I'm all for that, but I don't know if it's offensive or not and I know how careful they are with stuff like that. So, I mean, this is a really good question and a very interesting question, I feel like that. So, like, we're talking about, like, Halloween costumes. Like, we know the idea of, like, white people dressing up like Native Americans or Muslims or in even regards to blackface. Every year, someone, we get to learn one new person, real like, had to learn that blackface is not good. And, you know, that's, I mean, it's a very interesting. And obviously, dressing, specifically dressing up as someone's culture is not not a good idea. It's not a good idea to be for a Halloween costume. But, and then here's the thing. So, like, obviously, me dressing up like a Native American, not let's say, like, a woman, specifically dressing up like a Native American, it's, that's not a good costume. Like, don't dress up as, like, a, just someone else. Like, be like, no one dresses up like white people. Of course, that would be hilarious. Like, especially that, like, Kanye white face, you know? Like, how dare you? <laughs> that white costume, whatever. But, uh, but I think the idea that like if you specifically dress up like someone like a cartoon character a very specific character like a woman dressing up like a native american woman it's probably not a good idea but a woman dressing up like pocahontas but you can clearly know that she's dressed up like pocahontas she's not dressed up as just a native american she's dressed up specifically as disney's pocahontas like is that okay like because she's not really trying to do the culture, she just really likes the character Pocahontas. It's never like Pocahontas. Like, I have a friend, he's white, and this is funny because there's a Bo Burnham song off uh, Inside where um, he dressed up like Aladdin for a character, and Aladdin's a clearly Muslim character from Arabian Nights, Arabic, maybe. I don't know the origins of Aladdin, but, uh, like, when you look at the costume, like, no one's gonna be like, oh, he's dressing up like a Middle Eastern person. Like, no, you're clearly dressed up like Aladdin from Disney's Aladdin. Like, so you can clearly, you know, if someone dresses up like Jasmine, like, you can clearly know, oh, you're Jasmine from Disney's Aladdin. Like, and so it's, like, clear, you know, that even though there is a person of character or whatever, and then, you know, you know, there's black kids and Mexican kids, they're always dressed up as, like, they could be dressed up like a white superhero or a white character, and, you know, there's no big deal about that, but it's, it's, it is a little different. I know I can speak for the white people going back and forth on that. So, um, there is a really weird line. So especially this Encanto. So in my mind, I think if you're going to dress up as a character from a different culture, I really, I really think that it has to be a hundred percent clear that you are dressing up as said character from said franchise. So it makes sense uh, that you're dressing up as them because like I said if, if like I talk about the Aladdin costume if people didn't know you're dressed up like Aladdin you could it could be weird like oh you're dressing up like someone from the Middle East like that's weird or um oh you're dressing up like a Native American no I'm Pocahontas and I'm not trying to be you know like you could see the weird part there so there there is always and I always want to 
least say to end it with, there is always an intention with the with what you're trying to do too, like with blackface. The history behind blackface is that you're making fun of black people. And that was the whole purpose of blackface. So even if like, say, I want to go as Black Panther and I darken my skin to dress up like Black Panther for Halloween, um, like it's offensive to do the blackface because the idea of blackface is supposed to be making fun of black people. So that's why you don't do it. And it's funny every year someone new learns that you're not supposed to do blackface. Blackface is bad. So don't color your skin or anything like that. That sounds, that's really dumb. But I think, uh, specifically a character from Encanto, as long as you can, uh, clearly show that it's very hundred percent clear that you're this character from Encanto and you're not just trying to dress up like, uh, like a Latina woman or whatever, then I think you'll be, I think you'll probably be okay. There's always the intent behind the costume. So, um, you do have to be careful in regards to that, but I kind of feel like if it's a cartoon character or a very specific character, you're probably going to be okay. But, uh, I'm not, I don't represent all white people. I try to represent sane white people. Uh, someone's going to get offended on your behalf and you may just have to ignore them completely. How do people justify drinking and driving? I am surprised by how often I see drunk drivers. Obviously, this is unacceptable behavior, but numerous still do it. Why is that? So I, I like this question. I had so many friends in college who just like thought they could drink. They, they thought they could. I'm not saying they should have, but they're like, I can drink and drive and be okay. And they all said that. And then I was like, I'm not going to drink and drive. Um, Y'all can give me a ride since you're so confident about it or whatever, you know? whatever. And then they did not drink. So, you know, stuff like that. Um, I, why people think justify it. One, they, sometimes you, they drove their car to a bar and realized and came to this conclusion. They're like, I drove my car here and I'm going to drive it back. So that's one reason why some people will do that because they, they believe they don't want to leave their car or wait it off or like sleep it off or whatever. You know, they, they think I drove my car here. I'm going to drive it home. Um, when you live in more small rural areas, you know, bars are a plenty. Um, you think you can kind of get away with it because there's, you know, there's less things around. Like when you're in the city, it's like, you're just like, I'm not drinking and driving. But when you have in like the middle of nowhere, small town or whatever, you just, you just automatically think you can do, you could, you'll be fine because, um, just, you know, the, it's easier to drive around town in a small town where, you know, in a big city, it's not. So you think that as well. So I know a lot of small towns would be like that. Um, a lot of times also in small towns, you don't actually have, uh, you don't have, you know, really the necessities of, you don't have like an Uber, you don't have Ubers around you where you're driving and stuff like that because, because, you know, you don't have like Ubers aren't like in a small town or like, you know, a small college town or whatever. And so you either have to walk, return your car, you know, where you were or drive, drive back yourself or have a friend who is a specific designated driver who will do it for you. And so people will just be like, I don't want to get a designated driver. I'll just drive back myself. So people, and a lot of people are just probably just cocky and stuff like that. I've never been that one. People like my friend Josh and his other friend tried to make it. It was like, I drove to like Indiana to see them and I was drinking on the way there. And I'm like, no, I was not drinking on the way there. And I'm like, I'm probably the only person in this room who probably has used the Uber app. And so it's like that. So, um, with that being said though, I think it's just a lot of confidence, a lot of pride and people are just a little too cocky and they just think they can do whatever they want. And, uh, this is where I'm here to say, don't drink and drive. You don't need to. It's not that important. If you live in a small town, maybe live closer to a bar. That's a good idea. Do parents know the gender at gender reveal parties? 
Um, I'm confused as sometimes I see parents' reactions and not sure if they pretend not to know or they genuinely don't know. These parties are not particular uh, popular where I live, so I am clueless. So I'm a white person. I'm here to give you information on white culture. And so when people talk about white people with no culture, talk about uh, gender reveal parties. So um, there's a couple ways you could go without it. So sometimes gender reveal parties are gender reveals to the public because apparently you have people who think they have fans and their fans want to know uh, what gender their baby's gonna be. But to be honest, uh, nobody gives a shit. Pretty bold of you little fucks to assume that I'm not God. And uh, yeah, those, those who don't give a shit. So um, that, that's some people's purpose. So sometimes the couple do know and then they're using the gender reveal party to let everyone else know, all their fans know, uh, what type of baby they're going to have, which is kind of stupid. So FYI, that's, that's one reason. Um, you also have the, uh, you also have another way where the parents actually don't know. They get like an envelope. The doctor puts like the gender of the baby in an envelope. They may have a friend or they give it to a like, uh, a cake planner or a party planner or something like that and be like okay uh here's the gender you know use the blue or pink and then you decide from there what the baby you know and then they figure out on their own what what type of baby they're gonna have and uh yeah and then they you know they smash open something and look and see it's like it's blue oh it's a boy pink oh it's a girl it's always kind of it's always kind of a weird thing to me because obviously i believe everyone's gonna start with a gender um, and we're just going to, you're going to start with the gender of the genitalia you have. That's just how it is. And then you can decide which one you want to be when you grow up. So even though I think the person who created gender reveal parties, like I think they're, that child's now uh, like non-binary or something like that. So it's kind of blew up in her face. Um, so maybe, um, don't have a gender reveal party people. Maybe just tell people what kind of baby you're having and, uh, deal with that. You read the envelope from the doctor and then you go home. Maybe no one gives a shit. A lot of people don't give a shit about your baby. And I'm going to be on. I'm gonna be the first one to say, I really don't give a shit about your baby. Um, unless you're my, my actual friend, like my real life friend, or my family. I don't actually give a shit about your baby. And that's uh, this type of guy you get. This is the type of guy you get. There we go, I got it. Um, yeah, that's, that's that. Last question we have for the day. Um, I'm 15 and still sleep with my mom. Is it weird? Is it weird? I sleep with my mom. I haven't slept alone in my life. I just turn over to the edge of the bed and sleep. The thing is we have only one comfortable bed in the house and I'm scared of dark. That makes me so angry. It's my only weakness and I don't tell anyone. I'm praised by others like I'm a brave person. <laughs> well, they don't know about this one, though. It's even embarrassing posting this. Uh, even though no one knows me. Um, you're a 15-year-old male. How the fuck do you jerk off? Because, like, nice thing, like, I didn't have a share room uh, when I was a teenager, and so it was very convenient for me, uh, like, you know, at night, to have a place to jerk off. How the fuck do you, you sleep in the same bed as your mom? And I'm, we're all going to not assume that this is like a, some weird, there's a weird sex thing going on here. There's probably no weird sex thing going on. But I'm, I'm just curious. Yes, it's, let's answer the question first. Yes, it's fucking weird. You're 15 and you sleep in the same bed as your mom. Um, it's only a comfortable bed. Like, you're just not going to sleep on a comfortable bed. That's what's going to happen. Um, you're just going to not sleep on a comfortable bed. You're 15. Your back is fine. It's not something you have to worry about. Um, it's fucking weird. Stop sleeping. You're 15 years old. You're getting more, you should be getting morning wood 
shit like that. It's fucking weird. Sleep somewhere else. Sleep on the couch. I don't know. Just sleep on the couch. Um, but I'm more curious, like, how are you jerking off? Like, you gotta jerk off, and then if you're having night emissions or whatever, like, those are gonna get all over the sheets or whatever. How are you hiding that from your mom? That is the weirdest thing ever. Let's be honest. That is the weirdest shit I've heard today. That is weird. You, you, yes, this is weird. You're like, questioning, is this weird? Like, if you have to ask, it probably is fucking weird. Um, like, is it just you and your mom? Please don't tell me your dad's in there, too. Like, this is the weirdest thing I've seen in a while. Um, yeah, um, to answer your question, yes, it's weird. How are you jerking off? Um, is it embarrassing? Yes, it's 100% embarrassing. You're sleeping with your mom. Because, uh, for the most part, it sounds like you're your mom's up and you have jerking off too. And that is the weirdest thing of all of it. So, um, stop that. You're just going to have to not sleep in a comfortable bed for a while. Um, and it's going to be weird when you have, uh, try to talk to women and you want to travel with women for the first time. Okay. That's just, just the whole thing is weird. And with that weirdness being said, we're ending our episode of Cancel Schweezer today. Thank you for checking out this episode, listening to the whole thing, and tuning in uh, to Cancel Schweezer, better known as the Lord's trademark favorite podcast. Uh, like I said, go follow uh, Schweezy live on Facebook and all my other socials at the Schweezy everywhere that you get social media, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can also check out my music everywhere under Schweezy. Um, that's on all streaming services, so go check that out now. Like I already said, Shweezy Live is where I play video games, um, playing some Fortnite, and it's going to be a lot of fun, so you're you're going to like it. I like that. And stuff like that. If you want to financially support the show, you can always go to our Patreon page, uh, and it's a great way to financially support us and everything that we're doing. And let's not forget the free shit you can always go ahead and do. Uh, free shit, like what I'm telling you here, is uh, liking the episode or the highlights, uh, smashing that subscribe button, uh, leaving a comment to let us know, sharing our highlights with all your friends, family, and uh, loved ones to let them know uh, what we're talking about. Uh, if you're on the audio-only platforms, like I said, you can always go to YouTube and share our highlights. It's a great way to say thank you for being a friend. Leave us a review wherever you are streaming your podcast at these days. It's weird. I don't think anyone downloads podcasts anymore. I think they only stream. I looked at like download stats. And I'm like, oh, that's really sad. But then I look at like streaming stats. I'm like, that that's pretty good. I mean, always, you always want better, but it's pretty good. Leave a star review, uh, like a five, four, three, two, one star and, uh, all that stuff. So, um, yeah. Come on, Mark. Don't be stingy. And, uh, with all that being said, let's end this episode correctly. Honk if you love butt drugs and, uh, stay awesome. Believe it or not, Schweg is in at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out or I'd pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. Hey, you just finished a full episode of Cancel Sweezy. Thank you so much. Wherever you are listening or watching this show, make sure you smash that subscribe button that we can get notified anytime we release new episodes. And uh, like I said before, honk if you love butt drugs and uh, stay awesome.